to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Uh, it's just me, Justin, here this week. No Noah, unfortunately, or Jacob, or anyone. Um, so if you're disappointed by that, um, honestly, same. Um, but the good news is that there is at least some stuff to talk about this week. Uh, and we got uh, a fan question to answer as well, um, which is always appreciated. Um, but we're going to start off with really the only piece of news uh, regarding the Florida Panthers this week, uh, which is the uh, name, image, and likeness deals that they offered to every female athlete at Florida Atlantic University. Uh, as we know, we saw earlier, uh, about a month ago, with the uh, the deal they struck with uh, Derek King, the quarterback, uh, as part of their FLA athlete program. Um, so paying these athletes to basically come to games, represent the brand, post about it on social media um not really dissimilar from you know using influencers to promote you know whatever brand or team um so same kind of uh uh same kind of idea behind it in terms of uh generating revenue uh and this is something i think is just super cool that the panthers are doing uh really on the ball from their you know from a business standpoint um and I'm excited to, to see how it works out. Uh, they, you know, they were in discussions originally. I think their plan was to have, you know, one male, one female athlete uh, for the season as part of the program. And then, you know, as they kind of moved throughout that process, they basically just said like, ah, oh, fuck it, like all of them. Um, and they budgeted so that if, you know, every athlete accepts that they have that uh, money to pay them. And yeah, I just think this is a, a super cool approach by the team. Um, really great. They said, you know, they wanted to put a spotlight on, you know, some of the great, you know, female athletes, uh, in the programs in the area, uh, FAU, as I'm sure everyone knows in, in Boca, uh, so close by. Um, and I think this is just, yeah, fantastic really. And a re- like from a business standpoint also, I think it's just very smart to kind of cast a wider net as opposed to just focusing on one or two, maybe big name athletes. Uh, cause if you do that approach, uh, you know, there are things that can go wrong if an athlete gets hurt, um, if, you know, anything comes up, you know, there's a personal issue um, that maybe casts a negative light on the team or the player. Um, so by, you know, casting a wide net, offering, you know, these deals to, to all those athletes um, minimizes uh, that risk. So a bit of a safer bet, I think, for the team um, in that regard. So I think that's just, you know, absolutely brilliant. Uh, from the Panthers. And I think it's super cool that they're investing in these athletes that are in the area uh, and investing in the Florida community as a whole. I think that's uh, something that, you know, in the last couple of years we've seen the team do really, really well is that, you know, 
uh, really trying to build that sense of community. I think, you know, fans as a whole, you feel much bigger part of the team. They want to be, you know, a big team in this area. And so to be able to, you know, offer these deals, bring all these athletes in, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they also said, I think, for some of the athletes that are able to generate the most kind of buzz on social media, they have some bonuses uh, that they're going to give out. Um, so, I, yeah, I really like the approach. I love that it's, you know, Florida-based. They're keeping it local, um, really trying to build that sense of community uh, surrounding the team and trying to draw in fans uh, from other sports, uh, I think is just really, really awesome. And I, I think it's going to go really, really well for the team. So I'm excited to see it in action, see what, uh, you know, these athletes are going to be doing. Uh, the partnership uh, is also in coordination with Dreamfield, a company that is partially owned by Derek King uh, that helps athletes arrange these uh, nail deals. So just super cool all around that the team's doing this. And, you know, I can't wait to see it in action over the course of this season. Um, but other than that, I mean, in terms of on-ice stuff, there, there really isn't too much going on like it is still the off season uh so still you know teams are mostly all set up the rosters are, are pretty well set obviously you know we might see some pto invites we're still waiting on barkov to maybe sign an extension that would be fantastic um on social media yesterday we saw you know anton Lundell. he's in florida he was at the marlins game um so that's great to see uh, really excited about him. Could he potentially be in the Calder conversation this year? Uh, I think absolutely, along with Spencer Knight, who might be you know one of the front runners from the award, potentially the first goalie to win it since uh, Steve Mason won it. I don't know how many years ago, but it's it's been a while. So excited to see you know Lindell in Florida. Can't wait to see him on the ice uh, and see what he can bring in that kind of maybe third line center role for the team this season. Uh, and I think he's going to absolutely thrive and will be in that Calder mix. Um, but other than that, yeah, not not really too much going on. There was, like, earlier in the week, you know, there was some rumors going around about Jacob Chitrin. Could he be on the block from Arizona? Uh, that was intriguing for a number of reasons. Mainly, you know, first of all, he's an excellent young defenseman in the league uh, and looks to be in that kind of Norris mix uh, as he was last season. And the fact that he is, you know, a local kid coming from Boca. Uh, so if he, you know, in terms of interest from the Panthers, that would have been, you know, incredible. But then, you know, reports coming out that that wasn't the case. Arizona wants to build around him, which realistically makes a lot more sense. I mean, why would you trade away this player um, who projects to be, you know, a huge piece for your franchise as you're going through this rebuild? That's the type of player you want to build around along with, Clayton Keller up front, most likely, and Barrett Hayton and some of their other young players coming through. Um, but he's a big part of that team. So, yeah, initially when I saw, you know, the first report that, you know, he might be on the block, obviously interested, but at the same time, like, why why would Arizona move him? And it, it doesn't seem like that's something they're looking to do, which is unfortunate because, man, I would have loved to see him in a, in a Panthers jersey. Uh, but, unfortunately, yeah, not the case. So... We'll, we'll leave that there. Um, other stuff, we did, yeah, I was looking through our, our, you know, stuff to talk about for today's episode, uh, going through our direct messages to see if we had any uh, questions from any of our listeners. We had one question come in, uh, 
from Sasha, who is asking, who will finish higher in the Atlantic Division this year? The Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers? And biased answer, Panthers, obviously, um, because, like, obvious. But it's an interesting one for sure because, uh, again, Panthers, they did finish higher than the Lightning last year. Uh, obviously, the Lightning, though, with, you know, Kucherov and Stamkos out for parts of the year. Uh, same time, though, Panthers missing Ekblad. Um, but these two teams are very, very close. Very, very close on paper and both on the ice, uh, which is, is great for the sport. It's great for, uh, you know, the fan bases as well to have this rivalry. Uh, after we saw the playoffs last year, like it feels like a legitimate rivalry. Finally, both teams are playing at a high level. They got some big name players. They got some grit throughout their lineup. Uh, so really, really fun to see that rivalry finally kind of culminate into some actual bad blood between the teams. Um, but looking on paper, you know, I I honestly think like the Panthers right now are the better team than the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the reason I say that, first of all, Tampa Bay, two back-to-back Stanley Cup wins. You have to respect that. Uh, but at the same time, like, they did get worse this offseason. I think, you know, everyone would agree that that is the case. They lost pretty much their entire third line, which was, I think, absolutely key for them uh, in their last two runs. That line of Barclay Gaudreau, Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, all three of those players gone now. Uh from the team, I think that's that's a big, big loss for them because that's a line that they could throw out any time of the game, any situation. They could throw them out there and, you know, they're going to be competent defensively and they're going to be able to generate some offense for you. Uh, so to lose all three of those guys, I think is a big, big loss for the Lightning. Uh, you know, they bring in, you know, a couple veteran guys in, in Corey Perry and uh, Pierre-Edward Belmar. So some experience there. Uh how much they actually help on the ice, it's debatable. And then, yeah, they do have some some good young players that are, you know, hoping to break in this year, like uh, Alex Barboulet, uh, Matthew Joseph. I'm a big, big fan of his game. Uh, there's Gemmel Smith. There's a couple guys there. Uh, Ross Colton had a really, really good season for them last year. But undoubtedly, that this team got worse. Their defense is basically the same. I mean, Ryan McDonough, absolute rat on the ice. Uh, Victor Hedman, he didn't have a great year last year. Can he bounce back? Uh, who knows? He's 30, right? So he might be, it, it, like, did he have a bad year? Or is it just a one-off? Or is he trending in that direction? Um, but the big, big selling point for me with, with Tampa Bay is Andre Vasilevsky, who's just lights out in the net. In my mind, the best goalie in the league right now. Uh, so he can be the difference maker for them on any given night. And then a healthy Kucherov, Stamkos, Braden Point, a lot of big names up front. It's still a very, very good team. But then the Panthers, I think, are right there with them. And I'd say are a bit ahead of them uh, as of this recording. I mean, they were fantastic last year. So many players had career years uh, last year and really broke out with the team. But... Like a full season of Sam Bennett, that's a big, big upgrade over, you know, Wenberg, who was playing that 2C spot for a lot of last year before Bennett came in. Uh, you pretty much brought back uh, the same forwards that you had from before. Uh, Verhage, you know, he he had one year left, but he resigns for, for some term. 
Duclair signing a you know a three year extension. So you're keeping the forward group the same pretty much. Uh, and then of course you know there's and then you just, you bring in Sam Reinhardt who is a massive addition for the team. Uh, so you bring in a player like that who instantly makes your top six better, who brings incredible versatility, was really one of the only bright spots uh, on the Buffalo Sabres last year. And then you add in some internal development from guys like Owen Tippett, from Denisenko, from adding in uh, Anton Lundell to the lineup. The forward group, in my mind, is, is it was already really, really good. It's, it's even better this year, I think. Uh, and so I'm excited for that. And uh, it, it's really, really good. And on defense, defense is basically the same. Obviously, Brandon Montour coming over at the deadline. So we haven't seen too, too much of him. Uh, but a healthy Aaron Ekblad, uh, we know how good Aaron Ekblad is. He's in that Norris conversation. It was a massive loss when he went down with an injury. If he's healthy, do they beat Tampa Bay in the first round? We've mentioned it many, many times. I think yes. Uh, but again, we don't know the answer to that. And then even, you know, in terms of on the fringe, they still have some guys like Matt Kierstad and a couple defensive prospects who might push into the lineup. And then the subtractions of Keith Yandel and Anton Strawman, I think makes the defense better just based on the defensive play of those players at their age. The question mark is pro the question mark for this team's probably a net where you have Sergei Bobrovsky still making $10 million, 32 years old. Uh, so he's not going anywhere. And, you know, what what's his play going to be like next year? Um, it was a little, little bit better last year than in his first season in Florida. Uh, and then there's Spencer Knight, who I'm sure we, we, you know, I think everyone loves and loves what they've seen from him so far. But the sample size is small. Like, it's six games at the NHL level. Uh, and he's, he's very, very good in all those games won every game you played in the regular season. Uh, but the, the sample size, like if, if Spencer Knight falters or goes down with an injury or anything goes wrong with Spencer Knight, how much do you trust Sergei Bobrovsky as your goalie? In the past, you know, Drieger's been here. He was excellent. He's moved on to Seattle now uh, to play in a tandem with uh, Philip Grubauer. But the, the goaltending... If things go well, it can be very, very good for them. But if something goes wrong, it could be the downfall of the team. That would be the only downfall I could see happening. Other than that, the only other concern I might have would be the success that players had last year, but just the smallness of the sample size, uh, especially with guys that came in around the deadline, uh, like Sam Bennett. I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to be you know, at least a 60-point player. Uh, for the Panthers and bring that grit and intensity every night uh, like he did uh, last season. But again, it just, the sample size isn't enough for me to be convinced. We saw it in the past in Calgary. He had that terrific playoff run his first year there uh, and then never really got back to that. Um, so there might be some concern there. A uh, couple other players are, you know, getting a bit up there. Joe Thornton, how much of a factor can he be when he's on the ice? Uh, Patrick Hornquist. Uh, age 34, he had, he had a pretty decent year last year, especially in that net front role in the power play. Uh, but at his age, he's not going to play a huge role next year. Could be a concern. Uh, but the, yeah, the sample size with Bennett, how well Sam Reinhart fits in, 
uh, a couple of the other guys who have come in on deadlines or a couple of the guys who had career years last year, can they keep that up? Can they maintain that level or build on it? Or is there going to be some regression from players like Verhage? I don't think so, but it's possible. And that would be maybe the only concern I would have about this team. But right now, I feel pretty confident saying that this team is better than the Tampa Bay Lightning. I would not be shocked to see them finish higher than the Lightning uh, in the standings. I think they're a realistic possibility for the top spot in this division, which is you know, a pretty competitive vision at the top with the Leafs, the Bruins, the Lightning. But looking at how the teams played last year, looking at the rosters in place, what they've done over the offseason, I like this Panthers team a lot more than some of the other top teams in the division. Now, is that incredibly biased? Yes, absolutely. But I don't think it's outright wrong either. And I think that this team absolutely can finish higher than the Tampa Bay Lightning and finish atop the Atlantic Division. Uh, so thank you so much, Sasha, for the question. Uh, appreciate it. Also, just as a general note, if anyone listening ever wants to come on the podcast and talk about literally anything, Panthers-related, hockey-related, could be anything, DM us, let us know. Uh, we're more than happy to have literally anyone on. Uh, so, yeah, feel free if anyone just wants to come on, talk Panthers hockey. Uh, could be a lot of fun. Uh, so let us know, because we're always interested in having different voices on the show, other than just me and Noah talking for, you know, 30 or 40 minutes every week. Uh, so yeah, let us know if anyone listening wants to come on ever, please. Uh, we'd appreciate it, uh, and love to hear some insight or feedback or literally anything. Uh, could be anything. Yeah, can't stress that enough. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Now... The last thing I wanted to talk about on this episode, I don't know if anyone listening remembers or even listened to it, but about a year and a half ago, Noah and I had an episode where we were mainly trying to kill a time, essentially, talking about our favorite hockey movies of all time. I'm pretty sure the number one pick that we had was Miracle, uh, which I believe is the correct choice. I think it is not only the greatest hockey movie of all time, but in the conversation for one of the best sports movies in general of all time. Uh, great story, great acting. Uh, what else you know? can you want? It's just, it's fantastic all around. Um, but today, I wanted to throw it, you know, I posed this question to some of my roommates and uh, people who have popped onto the show before about what hockey movies would or documentaries would you want to see made that haven't been made yet? kind of thinking along the lines of, you know, the last dance that we saw uh, last summer, uh, you know, like a documentary series, you know, six or seven episodes or whatever it is. What are some hockey themed documentaries you would want to see made? Um, so I'm going to pull up uh, some of the suggestions for, for ones that we had. Uh, would love to hear from, from any of you, you all, if you have any ideas for, for some hockey movies that you would want to see made. Uh, or documentaries or whatever. Uh, so the first one we came up, I think this one came from Felix, who's been on a couple episodes. Um, and it would be, you know, a documentary series, let's say six episodes focusing on hockey dynasties. So you dedicate a specific, every episode would focus on a different hockey dynasty. Uh, could be really cool. There's a lot of different options. I picked six dynasties here. 
uh, that I think would make really interesting episodes. There's obviously some debate too about what constitutes a dynasty, especially now in the salary cap era where it's much harder to win. You know, for example, to the LA Kings with their two Stanley Cups, does that count as a dynasty? I don't think so. Some people might disagree. Do the Pittsburgh Penguins count as a dynasty? They won one cup uh, a little bit further back and then the two back-to-back Stanley Cups. What constitutes a dynasty in, in the salary cap era? Uh, some debate around that. But here are six dynasties I would focus on uh, for this, if this were to be made into a, a hockey documentary series. Number one, the Leafs 60 dynasty. Uh, it's a, First of all, I mean... The Leafs, way back in the day, were very good. I wasn't around back then. They've been absolutely brutal in my lifetime. But I feel like if you're going to make like a documentary like this, you're almost obligated to throw the Leafs in there somewhere. Uh, so the last dynasty they really had was, was in the 60s, obviously finishing with that 67 Stanley Cup, the last Stanley Cup that they won. Uh, so that would be episode one, drawing some Leafs fans to the series. Number two... Uh, the Blackhawks dynasty from 2009 to 2015, uh, three Stanley Cups in that span. In the salary cap era, I think that's incredibly impressive uh, and would constitute a dynasty. Now, obviously, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks with, you know, all the stories coming out this offseason about the team during that time. I don't know if you would make that an episode, um, but from a pure hockey perspective, you know, I would say that that counts as a dynasty. Uh, other ones, we got the Red Wings, 94 to 2002. Uh, dominant team in that era. Fun to watch. A lot of players, um, you know, that are Hall of Famers now. So that would be one there. And an original six team as well. Uh, and a big fan base of so drawing some viewers. Uh, Oilers, 83 to 90. I think this would be a fantastic episode for a lot of reasons. First of all, you got the greatest hockey player of all time, Wayne Gretzky. Um, but then you can also focus. They won five Stanley Cups in that span. You can also focus on, you know, that that last Stanley Cup that they won without Gretzky. You know, you talk, you know, you interview the players, whatever the the coaches, the managers, how that shifted the team dynamic. The loss of, you know, the great one uh, for that last Stanley Cup win. I think that would be a really really cool episode, uh, and really one of the best dynasties and best, you know. That Oilers team, probably one of the best teams of all time. Um, Islanders, 80-84. to 84. I mean, Islanders, pretty mediocre now. I know a uh, bit of a rivalry maybe with the Panthers nowadays, but back then, dominant, bossy, uh, Nystrom, Potvin, so many great players that they had. Uh, so that absolutely has to be an episode for sure. And then finish off with, Arguably the greatest hockey dynasty of all time, the Montreal Canadiens in the 70s. Uh, have to include them for that reason. Uh, super interesting franchise. Another original six team to throw in there. So that, I think, would be maybe the final episode. But the dynasties in general, I think, would be a, a really interesting idea for a hockey-focused documentary series if you were going to make one. The next one we have here... Another similar theme would focus, you know, uh, it'd be, you know, several episodes or whatever, and it would be just focused on different hockey goalies, like each episode, because 
hockey goalies have this reputation for being a bit crazy because you kind of have to be a little bit crazy to stand in the net and, you know, face, you know, shots coming at you at, you know, 100 miles an hour. Uh, it's, it's a crazy thing to do. And the fact that they do that on a nightly basis to me is just insane. So a documentary series focusing on some of the greatest goalies that have ever played the game, uh, I think would be super interesting. I threw out some names here of potential goalies, right? You'd focus each episode potentially on a, on a different goalie. Um, would, is kind of how I think it would be set up. Uh, number one, Patrick Waugh. Uh, one of the most innovative goalies of his time, one of the greatest goalies of all time. Some might say the greatest goalie of all time. I don't think so personally. Um, but big personality too. We saw it recently when he was, you know, a coach with the Avalanche. Uh, and obviously the whole fallout from, you know, Montreal uh, asking to be traded. That whole part of it would be super cool to add into, you know, a documentary episode. Might even be two episodes realistically just with how intricate his story is. Uh, next up, have to include it, the Dominator, Dominic Hasek. That's my pick for greatest goalie of all time. Absolutely ridiculous playing style. Um, basically just threw his body at the puck, didn't matter what part. Uh, anything to make a save. Super interesting uh, goalie. Absolutely dominant. Uh, carried the checks in international play. So he absolutely has to be included in this. And a, and a fun personality too, I think, to throw in there. Uh, number three, it's got to be for his own Roberto Luongo. Um, you know, he doesn't have maybe the same degree of recognition or awards as some of the other goalies here. Um, but again, big personality. Uh, we can talk about, you know, his Vancouver era getting so close to winning a cup, the fallout with the Canucks coming back to the Panthers. Uh, you know, he was drafted by the Islanders too. the trade out of there. There's a lot you could throw into an episode about Roberto Luongo and one of my personal favorite players of all time. Um, so what I'd love to see him thrown in there. Uh, number four here, Billy Smith. Uh, is he in the conversation for greatest goalie of all time? No. But in terms of on-ice entertainment, I mean, the guy was an absolute menace, a big lunatic out there uh, in terms of how aggressive he was. Part of the Islanders dynasty. So throw him in there just because, you know, the, the whole idea for the documentary would be not to focus maybe on just the best goalies, but the ones that are just the most interesting or who changed it up were different from the norm. That's Billy Smith. And he also was just a very good goalie as well. So throw him in there. Uh, next up, Grant Fuhr. Uh, great story there. Uh, very successful uh, run with the Oilers. Uh, super interesting backstory. Uh, so I think that would make a really cool episode. Uh, next up, we'll go with a modern day one. It's got to be Carey Price. Uh, you know, high draft pick. Uh, one of the best goalies, really, of the last, you know, 10 or so years. Uh, we just saw what he did in the playoffs last year. Um, was dominant for Montreal. So to me, absolutely got to include him in this. Uh, again, too, is an indigenous player as well. Um talk about that you can talk about uh you know the pressure of playing in montreal uh then there was the whole thing when it was yaroslav halak kind of taken over in the playoffs and they had to make a choice between him or price uh there's a lot you could go into with Carey price next up gotta be marty broder um in my mind marty broder most overrated goalie of all time very very good 
but a lot of people have him right in that conversation with Juan Hasek. I'm not convinced, but Marty Roder, uh, very successful goaltender, won some Stanley Cups with the Devils. Uh, absolutely, I think you have to have him in this. And then as a question mark potential one, recently retired Henrik Lundqvist, who, look, late draft pick, smaller goalie, um, you know, unbelievable for the New York Rangers, one of the best players that they've ever had. And again, got so close to winning, but never won. Could he potentially be thrown in there uh, for an episode? Sure, why not? Um, and also when I was thinking about this idea, there was also some other goalies I considered. Um, but they were from so far back and maybe they're not alive still. So I think it would be more difficult to create uh, a documentary around them like I was thinking about, uh, you know, like a Terry Sawchuk. Like that would be difficult to do, uh, obviously, because he passed away at a young age. Um, but a, a very good goalie. But So I was kind of thinking of more recent-ish goalies to focus on for this. Um, our next up idea, I forget who went through this one out, um, but it would be a, a Curtis Joseph-based one. Uh, I think would be kind of interesting to focus on. Uh, I have his book here, actually, that I've read, Cujo. Really interesting book, really interesting backstory. Uh, and, and a very successful goalie played for a lot of different teams. So I think you could realistically make like a short, like hour and a half, two hour documentary just about him. And I would absolutely watch that uh, 100%. Next up, uh, kind of an obvious one, I think, but a Sidney Crosby, like versus Ovechkin one, like that rivalry between the two players and the teams. I mean, they've been at the top of the game for, for so long going head-to-head -head against each other, some incredible battles in the playoffs, in the regular season, you know, that debate between, you know, Sid, Ovi, who's better, Sidney Crosby, you know, an incredibly smart player, but, a, you know, a quieter personality, Ovechkin, you know, especially early in his career, he's all flash, he's all excitement, all about entertainment, so two very different kind of approaches in that regard, both players winning Stanley Cups, Crosby more successful internationally, uh, I think you could do a whole documentary just about those two players uh, and, you know, the rivalry between them, the teams, you know, being in the spotlight all the time together. It was always talked about Sid versus Ovi, Sid versus Ovi. Uh, so I think you could do an entire documentary, you know, thing uh, just based on uh, those two players. Our last one here, not our last one, our second last one here would be a documentary series, again, like the first couple we talked about, each episode focusing on uh, a different player, but it would be just about undrafted NHL players. So we'll call it Undrafted. That's the title. Um, really, Some really, really good hockey players who have been undrafted and had very, very good NHL careers. Interesting backstories as well. So I think an entire series focused around them, you know, the struggle that, you know, you're not drafted the work to get to the NHL level and not just to get there, but to thrive. Uh, so I'll throw out some names of potential players you could talk about in this. Uh, Ed Belfour, one of the greatest goalies of all time, could also be using the goalie idea for a documentary. Um, unbelievable goalie, um, some off-ice issues, bounced around the league to some different teams, including the Panthers, um, but undoubtedly one of the better goalies of all time and an undrafted player as well. 
Another one, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. We know what he's done in Florida right now. Not much. But at the same time, an undrafted goalie who has won two Vezina trophies is absolutely incredible. Um, and he's had, you know, a pretty solid career, albeit not really much in, in Florida. Uh, another player who's also played for Florida, Dan Boyle. Uh, obviously more well-known for playing with the Lightning and the Sharks and maybe the Rangers. But a really, really good defenseman uh, in that era. And an undrafted player as well. bit smaller. Um, absolute cannon of a shot. So you could focus an episode on him. Uh, there's Dino Cicerelli, who this is going way back before my time, but playing with the Minnesota North Stars. Uh, really, really good player. Almost a point-per-game player in his career. Uh, he was physical. He was in your face. So he could absolutely be a focus. There's like a, there's actually quite a few like undrafted players you could like throw in here for this. There are some older ones too who I'm not going to talk about too, like like Steve Duchesne or Jeff Courtnall, just because I don't know enough about them to really talk about them here. Um, Mark Giordano I think would be an excellent episode uh, for for a documentary series. Uh, undrafted, uh, impressed in the OHL, goes to the Flames. They bring him in, you know, and he just slowly builds into this really, really good defenseman. He becomes their captain, uh, becomes an all-star, and then he wins a Norris Trophy at 35 years old. Incredible story. So you'd absolutely have to throw him in there. Um, Curtis Joseph as well, another undrafted player you could throw in there. Adam Oates. Like there's, there's quite a few. Um, I know Gretzky also undrafted, but does that really count? I don't think so. So not going to include him. Um but the point is a lot of options like Artemi Panarin just off off the dome here, another undrafted player, Brian Rafalski, uh, another one. So a lot of different options you could use for this. Some really really good undrafted players um, could make an interesting documentary style series potentially. And then last up, uh, kind of a different vibe, a very recent one too. Uh, but the Korean 2018 women's hockey team. That included players from both North and South Korea. Uh, I think just you know because of the whole political nature around that, um, having players from both countries on the same team for the Olympics, because obviously you know South Korea qualifying because the Olympics were in Pyeongchang. The team did not do well by any means. They like scored two goals, allowed like twenty eight. They lost every game, um, but just coming together, the two countries who have you know so much. Uh, animosity towards each other historically uh, I think would make a really cool documentary series um, but yeah that that's it those are all the ones that we were able to come up with um, let us know which ones are your favorites which ones you would want to be made into a documentary or documentary series or if you have any ideas of your own of something that might make a good series uh, let us know for sure. We're always interested to hear, you know, feedback and hear from you, you all listening. Um, but yeah, I think that does it for, for this episode. We'll, we'll end it here. Uh, we'll be back with another episode on Monday. Hopefully someone will be able to join me. So it's just not me talking for like 37 minutes straight. Um, because it's all, again, it's always better when someone else is here. Like it's, it's better, it's better for you listening. It's better for me recording. Uh, so hopefully we're able to get get someone in here for the next episode. 
Uh, but yeah, that does it for this one. Thank you to everyone uh, tuning and listening. And yeah, we'll be back on Monday, and we hope to see you all then. Step on Mete, Barkov to the net, Barkov between the legs, unbelievable!